Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. We have another guest interview by Run to Eat from Pan Africa Hash 2023. Join Run to Eat as she interviews Dildo Dan. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. This is the On On Podcast. I am sitting in wonderful sunny Africa in Malawi at the Pan African Hash, and I am here with Dildo Dan. Greetings and hello from the banks of Lake Malawi. So Dan, please tell us where and when did you start hashing? I did the sort of traditional route where you get posted overseas. Okay. I ended up getting a job in Tanzania, building a road. I was living on a camp. One of the guys who was living in Dar es Salaam, he took a long time to get moved to the camp. Okay. And he kept on asking him, why, why, why? Oh, I must be in Dar for the Monday to go hashing. <laughs> so this guy's hash name was Tablet. And when he eventually did move to the camp, it was only like 50k from the edge of Dar es Salaam, but the road was that bad, it used to take you an hour and a half. Minimum, nasty the edge of town. <laughs> so he said, I tell you what, we're organizing this. I said, okay, what is it? He said, after work, you're coming with me. We're taking the dogs for a walk. My first hash was in Easter weekend, 1999, and I was the hare with tablet. We had the Dar es Salaam hashers got the buses out to the camp. They had a good run. We had a few drink stops, finished up in a village bar, as you do. They came back to the camp and they found that we had a nice swimming pool. We had a darts board, <laughs> we had a pool table. So what happened is there was a bit of a revolt and the women and children stayed an extra day. Easter Monday, and the guys all disappeared off to go to work the okay. next day. Excellent. So that was the first hash. Tanzania was brilliant because it got me off the camp. I had a nice boss, so when the Dar hash was finishing and starting at five o'clock, I'd be at the other end of the project and hashing. And then I managed to get some of my workers to go with me or people from the camp. So we ended up with a full carload of Tanzanians with me, including one guy who was a, a Maasai, Raymond the Maasai. He never got a hash name because that was what we would just call it, Raymond the Maasai. I managed to do a hash run from his village out in the wilds of, of Tanzania. I went and set the trail with him in, early in the morning. The stream that was knee deep Oh, no. wasn't knee deep when we got to do it. It was now waist deep. The waist deep water ended up being chest deep. <laughs> and it was a great hash. It didn't rain there, it rained somewhere further upstream. He had a gongo distillery. So gongo is the local uh, spirit. We stopped by his gongo distillery and had a look what he was doing and he taste. We went through, the trail went through one of the bomas, which is the big enclosed circles, you know, where they take the thorn bushes off and make an enclosed circle. 
And we went through that, so you're running literally in six inches of just pure, unadulterated cow shit. Oh. <laughs> then we finished off with a circle. Because I was setting the trail, I saw them slaughtering the cow and collecting the blood. For the down-downs, we actually had the blood and the milk for down-downs. And some beer, because some people weren't impressed with the blood and milk for the down-downs. <laughs> That's so unusual. That's amazing. Yeah. So explain your hash name and how did you get it? I got named in Dar es Salaam. My first hash there, there was Wet Dream there. Wet Dream is here today. Wet Dream was the RA that named me. <laughs> And obviously I got called out because I'm a female sex object. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So your first run almost you got named. No, it took a while. It took a while. And I just don't ask where the batteries go. Okay. <laughs> no. Do you have any preferences and traditions in hashing? Not really. I like traveling around. I like the differences as long as there's beer, as long as there's a run. Things have to change in different areas. I'm in the Middle East, so things have to be a bit more discreet. So it just depends where you are. The founder said, it's getting a healthy thirst through some exercise and socializing afterwards. Do you have any mentors, hash mentors? Well, I was lucky, very lucky when I started in Tanzania. They were very active. They were organizing lots of weekends away. So there were people there, Wet Dream, who's here. There was people like Mr. Bean, Mr. Shithole. These names will mean nothing to you, sorry, but they were very active, very social. And uh, yeah, these, there are some people who are sort of unsung heroes of the hashing world. Wet Dream is one. He's been in Tanzania 20 odd years. Again, Tanzania is a country that is at the end of a transport line, as it were. It's not a hub. And when you find where you're in Tanzania, a lot of your holidays are taken in Tanzania because it's such a brilliant country. It's like the Greeks. The Greeks don't travel a lot because they spend all the holidays yeah. in Greece. You've also got people like Crash Test Dummy, who's kept the hash going in Tbilisi. Yeah, These are sort of hash heroes that are they're unsung because no, nobody goes to Tbilisi. It's a brilliant place. It's not a hub. It is beautiful and yeah, good food. Yeah. Brilliant food. Yeah. I have the scars to prove it. <laughs> it was the 500 hash, if you can see there. I, for those of you listening. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was the 500 hash run. It looks like a pan griddle hit you. Yeah, but there's, there's the bit at the back as well. Oh my goodness. So it was the 500 hash, uh, Tbilisi hash, and Gigolo, who's here today, he was uh, surprisingly at the front, and I was just behind him, which is even more surprisingly. And this pack of small dogs came out along the road. And for those of you listening in Tbilisi, nobody sort of has a dog as a pet. They feed them and they're just free to roam. So there was a pack of little small yappy dogs that came out barking and then this big dog came at the back, the typical Georgian Caucasian shepherd mm -hmm. and this dog started barking and came forward and then just didn't stop. It jumped and went for Gigolo oh and just missed and when it landed I was the next person behind and then it sort of grabbed the leg 
got me on the floor, the dog's on the floor, Gigolo's rushing over, punching it, Hazakash is running over, punching it. So yeah, it took a chunk of a leg. Oh my goodness. It was 15 stitches, five in the muscle to sew the muscle back together. But I did run the rest of the trail to get to the end. It wasn't far from the end. I left a nice pool of blood in the car to take me to the hotel where they poured the water and hydrogen peroxide on it. It's only when they poured water on it I thought, oh yeah, maybe I do need to go to hospital. So I got sewn up in some local hospital in, in Georgia. Is that the worst injury you've ever gotten on hashing? I know a lot of people yeah. did it on trail and get injured yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's about the only injury. Only injury? Just about, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Horrific. So yeah. we're at a big event. We're, how many have you gone to? What's your favorite? And My favorite is always the next one. <laughs> okay. Right? It's always the next one. And that's no disrespect to the ones you've gone to. Trinidad was good, was very good. This event is so far has been very, very good. Now, I can't say there's a favorite favorite. Interhashes, um, do you think it's too big or do you like smaller events like this? I think or? smaller events are better. Mm. I think interhashes or when there's a big group of people, you end up having a whole weekend just saying hello to people. You don't really have a conversation with them. Yeah. So when it's a smaller number, it's better because you can actually you know, have chats and conversations Speak with people. To people. Yeah. But my favourite hash run has to be the Dar es Salaam to Bagamoya relay. If you've never done it, you have to do it. I'm trying to get a little challenge going to get Kenya versus Uganda versus Ethiopia and we'll try and get a team to go from the Middle East. It's a relay, but it's not a relay as in hand and a baton and the next person go. No, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's cycling legs, there's running legs, there's walking legs. So it's start, stop, it's timed, people mill around. There's a huge big fiberglass beer can on a trailer towed behind the car. It opens up, everybody has a beer. Then the next people assemble, people start running or walking. By the afternoon, everybody's half drunk. And it's about 65, 70 kilometers. Oh, wow. But the trail the next day is my favorite because you're setting off from the beach. You've got rice paddies, you've got bamboo, you've got nuns poo. <laughs> because there's a big Catholic mission there. Okay. There's now a settlement pond but it used to be just the stream where the trees enter it into. You have salt pans. So oh, wow. if you can get the salt pans right, because they have wooden slats and sticks to hold for the walls and they pack it full of mm -hmm. mud. So if you get a newly packed wall, as it were, between the pan, it's over your knees in mud. Oh my goodness. It is awful. That and sounds then, fun though. <laughs> and then you go through coconut plantation, mangrove and finish on the beach where you can clean off. Oh, that sounds wonderful. So this is the advert, get to Tanzania. And will all the details be available on the website? Yeah, check the Darhash. Excellent. I think darhash.com. And have you ever had any kind of police incidents on trail, like the infamous white powder anthrax thing uh, that oh dear. has happened? Oh dear. Okay. How, how long have you got? 
we have <laughs> a long so, time. So tell us all. Shakespeare has dubbed me, I think, the, unofficially the most arrested hasher that, that he knows about. Okay, do tell. <laughs> so the first one was in Tanzania. It was my leaving hash, which was a little bit early. But they did it, so it coincided with roundabout Valentine's Day. So it was one of the first red dress runs that they had there. It would be 2001, no, 2002. And I was the hare. It was an A to B, jump on a truck to C, okay. run to D, and then get back on the truck and go to A. Oh, wow. So we'd set the A to B in the outskirts of Dar es Salaam and then we'd gone up to Kanduchi to this Japanese company I was working for their camp and we were running from there to a small little village and then we were going straight across the mangroves to finish on a beach right and get the bus back but there was a water park there so on even the rains it would go into the water park up and down the main slide oh, amazing. and then run up the beach to finish and I'd gone and wrecked the trail a couple of times and then I accept the mangroves because it's always good for a laugh when you don't know what the tides are and how deep it is. Mm. And uh, there was myself and Wonder, Gary Gill, who were setting it. And next thing you know, these people start shouting in the distance and we look around and then they get closer and start shouting a bit more. And then we think, oh, we better start running. So we started running, they were started running even faster and just at the end of the mangroves they caught up with Gary and it wasn't a stop, it was like a couple of fists flying first. Oh wow. It turned out that the village was like some police training village where they put the young recruits. There's no signs to say don't go in there. So we had to go and explain we were setting a run and what a false all the marks and what false trail is and they thought it was all some weird, weird, weird thing to do with witchcraft. Then they started going up the food chain, more people came out, they put us in this disused house with just a mattress on the floor and at one point we had about 14, 15 people around us, they'd ask a question and a little like punch in the arm mm -hmm. to answer. Uh, they were getting the same story. They then started calling out the military. And because I have short and obviously fashionable hair, <laughs> and he's Scottish, so he spoke English, what they said, with a funny accent. Mm. So he put the two and two together and combined it with the fact that one of the first African Union peacekeeping exercises was going on at the time, run by the French, and they decided that we were French military intelligence. Right? Now, anybody knows that there's no such thing as French military intelligence. So we ended up with going higher and higher up the police command. It went higher and higher until we got a colonel. This is a Sunday, remember. We got a colonel out from the army who was saying the shredded paper could be laced with chemicals so we're eating the paper to show them it's not it ended up then we had to go we got taken into the center of Dar es Salaam separated 
and we got interviewed by the chief of CID for the country. Oh, and let off with a don't leave the country till the chemical tests come back from the paper. So that was the first time. That talk, the hashes went off, they didn't know where they were going. They found some of the trail, lost the trail, found a bit more, and then they just did what well, they do a blobless hash. We turned up, it was supposed to be a morning run, we turned up at five o'clock. So of course they had another circle. <laughs> we then put our red dresses on and told everybody got arrested in the red dresses. <laughs> and there was uh, probably 27 down-downs and it was just us two, <laughs> one after the other. So that was the first time. Second time was Cameroon. I was working in, in Cameroon in Yaoundé. And they always meet at the Hilton Hotel and then drive out to where they're going. So we thought, what's that one from the Hilton Hotel? So you come out the Hilton Hotel, turn right, there's a small grassy area and a big grassy bank. So we were going up there and from this ceremonial grandstand they have sort of a cross between army and police, one of the units. Uh, these guys had seen what we were doing far away in the distance and decided that we were being suspicious. Somebody's quite hilly, there's myself and Johnny, whose hash name Sweet Cheeks, Johnny Schwerk, running up the hill, or we were walking up the hill, so we see these guys in uniform shouting at us, so we thought, well, well, we'll run now. So we ran to the top, where they eventually caught us. You get the flashing lights, we get taken into the grandstand area where the little police unit is, and yeah, Johnny had to pay a bottle of whiskey just because the hash was about to start. So, yeah, we had to make it up what happened after that part of the trail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that the most unbelievable story you've ever had on the hash? Because that's amazing. I mean, you know, there are wonderful stories that people have that it would only happen on the hash that just seems so absurd. Do you have any stories like that? That's only number two. Okay, tell, keep on going. Number three was Bahrain, oh. where I'd just gone to Rock Bottom Cafe okay. and set a beer stop and I was coming, setting the trail back to the start. And there's these guys in thobes that look like, they look like they're waiting for a taxi. And I go past them setting the trail. Next thing you know, they all pounce on me, police cars, because these were undercover police. After an hour, somebody who I work with drove past. More cushion for the pushing. <laughs> so it's like, go and get my IDs and everything, mm -hmm. phone, whatever. So anyway, after about an hour, I managed to get, let me make a phone call. And luckily we have a traffic police officer, Bahraini. His name is Yusuf, he's a traffic police officer. So his hash name is Yusuf Bin Traffic. <laughs> so I phone him up and explain, and he's speaking to the policeman, except he only knows my hash name. So he's blah, 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 dildo, blah, 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 dildo. So the police are okay. And you can hear the radios clicking. So that, everything's okay with them, but there's the other radio system with undercover officers. Mm -hmm. Their radio was doing something else. Oh, no. So it took quite a while, till eventually I think the police talked to the other police and then I was let off. 
then in Qatar on our third red dress run we had now I have to say something now this is a disclaimer this is for entertainment purposes only <laughs> anything I say about Qatar is purely for entertainment purposes and not serious because it's a public offence to say anything bad about the state of Qatar oh, okay. and you can be arrested and put in jail oh wow okay for example you're not allowed to advertise anything which is against the cultural beliefs, traditions or heritage of Qatar. So now the restaurants and bars cannot advertise alcohol. They can advertise hops, they can advertise grapes, but they can't say beer, they can't say wine. Can they say it's hoppy water? Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is some of the things why we don't advertise what we do because people might in their own home wish to have a beverage yeah so we had a red dress run we'd had two already and we had a drink stop and I knew where the drink stop was because I dropped the guy off there so we're on the trail and somebody had seen us a little kid had seen us running and said run back into the house and said oh look lots of men in dresses my argument is the Arabic thobe is just a long dress, okay? Yeah, true. So this guy jumped in his Land Cruiser and started following us. Few people had seen and said, this is a bit suspicious. We come to this main road, waiting for the traffic to die down, and around the corner comes the police car. He starts flashing his lights. People start scattering. And then I said, hold on a minute. The walkers might be having a drink stop. We should stop by this policeman. It's much better we stop here than he goes round the corner. Yeah. So there were seveners that stopped. He was adamant that we were trying to spread homosexuality. And okay. it was the first day of the 1994 World Cup. So we were saying, no, we're watching the first game. I think it was France v... There was somebody playing in red, so we're saying we're supporting them. There was one guy as well, a Nepali guy, who had a huge Afro wig in the French colours. So the police weren't interested, but he was adamant. And we actually had to line up in a line and lift our red dresses to prove we had something on underneath and we weren't spreading homosexuality. Why would you want to look at somebody's underwear mm -hmm. so everybody had running shorts except third garden at the end who's got his head in his hands going oh no 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 because he's only got little skimpy boxer shorts on anyway we got released in the end we weren't allowed to go we had to send two people it was a butt plug and 50 shades to go and get two cars Pilers in the cars to go. Somebody had to sign a disclaimer. Luckily, he was leaving the country. <laughs> so yeah, that took a few hours. To... How do you organise then the red dresses if it's that you was, know you're going to? That was the last one. Okay. <laughs> that was the last one. If you know yeah. that, you're probably going to get arrested. Yeah. So we had a commemorative T-shirt of I got busted in a red dress. We got the magnificent seven. Then you've got the getaway drivers. We have a great t-shirt for that. And then the other time, I was setting a trail around El Nasa area in Qatar, and somebody had phoned up. Because 
they pay people. If you can get an arrest, they pay the person that's made the phone call. So anyway, somebody made a phone call about the white flower. And I'd actually, for once, crossed from a pavement and set it in the middle of the road, so it's white line blob with flower, because there was a mosque on that side. Oh, yeah. So I was, for once, being culturally sensitive. So the police came and decided that I was altering the road markings without a license, which there is no such thing, because I work building roads, and how I needed to go for them for a gentle chat in the police station. En route to the police station, they stopped at the shawarma shop and said, what did I want? Which is when I realised it might not be just an hour. Mm -hmm. So the hash met, because it was at my place. They ran the trail till the blobs ran out. They did the circle, they ate the food, and then decided to go looking for me. So about 11 o'clock at night, they managed to find, luckily it was the first police station they went to. The police threw them out and said, <laughs> go away. Because apparently my shorts were too short. Okay. So I had to wear something more culturally sensitive for the insides of the police station. Now most government buildings, you have to wear something below the knee. The fact that they arrested me while I was doing sport, something else. It was only the way I was lucky. There was one Sarah Shehab, Egyptian lady, who came on a few runs, who just happened to be there, that speeded up the process, speaking Arabic to them. And she was very good looking, and the duty manager took a liking to her. So, yeah. But that was another five, six hours wasted. A red dress run. That's white. Mine's not going to stay white for long because I have a tendency to wear my food and drink. Right, okay. <laughs> I'm sure they wash. How many times have you been arrested on the hash then? That's five. Five? Yeah, five. Please don't do it so, again here. <laughs> well, well, it's a bit more difficult to do that in, in Africa, but the Middle East yeah. can be a strange place. I'm sure it'll happen again. The thing was, the last time I got arrested, I knew my ID number, didn't have any ID with me, so they could bring my file, and they put my file there, and it was uh, over an inch thick already. And I'd only been there, like, at that, that time, about four years. Oh, my God. Is that the most unbelievable thing you have ever experienced on the hash, is always getting arrested? It's one of the more bizarre. One of the more bizarre. One, there was another. When I was in Coruscant, I was in a bar there and met this guy, who was actually Amos Guy, who was from Kenya. He was uh, British descent. Uh, his family moved out there. He was about mid 50s. And next thing you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm from Kenya. I've just been working in Dar es Salaam. And he says, yeah, it's a shame there's no hash here. I'm a hasher. So we ended up, we started the hash in Curacao, a small island in the Caribbean. We got some, quite a few Norwegians there. There was some staying on some cable ships mm. where they have to, got the underwater vehicles to go and 
connect all the cables if they break. There was a couple of Norwegian guys that turned up and said, bring flour, bring an egg, and a plastic bag. So we turned up with flour, so much grams of flour and an egg and a plastic bag. Mm -hmm. And they had the tables laid out and they came round, right, put your flour down, do the egg, and they came and gradually put all the ingredients in. So everybody ends up needing a dough. Okay. Right? You get the dough, you put the dough in the plastic bag, you put the plastic bag in your underwear, and then you do the hash run. What? Okay. Right? So at the end, the, thing, the only thing was, they set the run for about an hour. If it was an hour and a half, it would work perfectly because the bread hadn't risen enough. <laughs> right? So that's the most, one of the bizarre things. I don't know anybody else that's done it. You had to, because the run was a bit short, you had to put different finger, otherwise you get somebody else's pubes in your bread. Oh my so, god, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah, so there's one for you. Tell Have me another. Bread run. <laughs> Tell me another, that was great. Yeah. Do you have any more? That is just, that's, that's insane. I mean, it literally is taking the biscuit. <laughs> we had a hash trip to uh, Tbilisi. The, the Doha Nightcrawlers, we are the social group. So we run on a Thursday because nobody runs on a Friday. And there's the Wednesday hash every week. The Monday every week is on off. We've done about eight so far this year. But the night crawls were set up for people that couldn't get to the other hashes. And you can have a few more hops or grapes. We had this trip to Tbilisi and it started going a bit pear-shaped when we all got to the airport because they can really only fly Qatar Airways so most people have gold or silver membership so you get into the lounge and the flight was maybe eight o'clock and we all got there at four o'clock and it's one of those lounges where it's too full they put you in a first-class lounge where you can pour your own G&Ts and your own champagne so what we didn't know is they'd already radioed the plane to say, group of drunk people coming, don't give them any alcohol. Okay. Luckily, Qatar Airways thought, what about all the other people that might want a beer? They limited it to two people. And, uh, sorry Qatar Airways, and uh, I'm not going to mention names now, but he's not working for them anymore. <laughs> now, uh, we might have been a little bit loud, and... He was called to the back of the plane for some words or whatever and then another hasher who also remained nameless decided he would go and help oh no but help yeah he was stood in the way of the toilets so apparently he got one warning written warning because we were a bit loud and he was on a staff ticket and a second written warning because the other guy was stood in the front of the toilet. Okay. And a third warning means you sacked. Yeah, okay. The weekend went downhill from there. There were people falling asleep on toilets. Okay. There were, yeah. There was one bar where a big table reserved. 
some people, including myself, well, mainly myself, thought <laughs> I'll sit there till the real people come in. Mm -hmm. But the people, bouncers didn't like it. And their way of showing you that they meant business was to just move their jackets aside and show you whatever pistol they were carrying. Okay, it's like, okay now you're being serious. Oh my God. You've had some wonderful hash adventures. Yeah, but I've worked overseas for a long time. And it's one of these things where you start in Tanzania and it's the end of the line is, is, for travel-wise. Mm -hmm. no, nobody goes there to use it as a hub. And my kids were younger then, so holidays were spent back more heading to UK. Now they're older and now I'm in the Middle East, which is a transport hub. Mm -hmm. They've got their own jobs, their own lives. They're both hashers. I was about to ask if yeah, they're yeah, hashers. Yeah, 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 yes. Josh is Soapy Titwank. <laughs> okay. And Matthew is Sandy Balls. And my mother hashes. She's, she's Mama Dildo. Excellent. Did your mother so, get into hashing because of you, or was yeah. she hashing? Okay. No, she got in yeah, from traveling overseas and discovering wow. it. So she goes, still turns up every so often on the Wessex hash back home. I yeah. know some of the Wessex hashers. So now that it's they're getting older, they've got their own lives, etc. There's not as much pressure as it were. Every holiday has to be back in UK. So that's why you can do a bit more travel hashing. What's your fate? What's your bucket list travel hash? Where would you like to go hashing? There's been talk of Timbuktu, and to be honest, that's on my bucket list. Yes, yeah. <laughs> For well, next Pan Africa. I don't really have a bucket list as such. This is now the 35th country. Uh, I've never really done that much hashing in Asia. Okay. And that's what, yeah, it's surprising because you're halfway there being in Qatar. But it's more the flight times. Yeah. Uh, we like, or I like to travel on a Thursday night straight after work. You've got Friday, Saturday, yeah. travel late on a Sunday and get back early Monday and go to work. So you can do a weekend away. The flight times don't quite work for the uh, going off to Asia because you fly and miss sort of half a Friday or yeah. you start to miss time when you've only got a certain period. We work six days a week. So Saturday is a day off work, Sunday is a day off work, so there's two days off the, the not very many days holiday you've got. Yeah. Uh, Caribbean's lovely. I want to see more of the Caribbean. I was working in, apart from Corsa, I was working in Jamaica for almost two years. That was very good. So normally with a hash, you have the hash, and then you have the circle. That's it. With the Jamaica hash, most of their hashes are out of town. Okay. So you'll have the hash run, you'll have the circle, but then you have the drive back to town, which will involve stops at many different rum shacks. So you have a third dimension for the social aspects. Okay. Yeah. And unfortunately, the Jamaica hash is a bit like the Tbilisi hash. Since the pandemic has come in, people got a bit older, the runners, or maybe they found something else to do or whatever, or some people lose interest. or So they are more of a walking hash now, same as Tbilisi. Whereas for us in Qatar, I'm a long-term 
Hairraiser for the Nightcrawlers. So our runs were five, six k on average, which you got to think in the summer. That's hot. It's actually hotter at night than it is in the day, because in the day it, yeah, it's roasting hot, but there's no humidity. The sun burns it away. As soon as the sun sets, the humidity kicks in. So you've got heat and the humidity. Mm. So it feel actually feels hotter. So our runs went down. 2020 was averaging maybe 5k. 2021, four and a half k. Whatever, and now we're back to we're running the average is seven eight k. I think it's eight k now. Okay. So it's weird how the pandemic affects things. The Wessex hash, I know, uh, they used to run trails of easy ten miles, sixteen k, but now they a lot of the older hashes stopped. A few of them had died. So that was one of the good things with this podcast that you know had Mr. Beaky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a really, really nice guy. He was an amazing Really, human. really friendly, welcoming. My mother turned up on her own. He was always like welcoming and making sure she got involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've changed now. They're trying to do the runs of an hour, make it more fun. I know the sub 60. People. There used to be the sub 60 yeah. hash that yeah, was. Yeah. 60 minutes, you go out, come back, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. In Wessex, so. Yeah. So now it's changed the hashing world. Some are, like you say, now walking. We're going actually longer. We've got an influx of teachers. Because this is the thing with the Middle East. If you see somebody who looks Western and young, they'll be a teacher. Mm. If you see somebody who's like me, knocking on a bit, then you start to get construction because construction you have to have a degree you have to have so many years of experience so for the positions that they're hiring for you won't get anybody who's under 40 to 45 that will get the position how do you get people in to the hash how would you go and recruit people it's word of mouth just word of mouth do you use the embassies I know my dad basically used the embassy. No, not really. We have some people that run from certain embassies from time to time. There was contact through the embassies. They've contacted me a couple of times when the ships have been in. So we had our 1,000th Doha hash run. Just happened to be when there was a, a Royal Navy ship in town. So they came down and did the trail all through the mangrove swamps, special run. But again, when I got to Doha, it was a million and a half people. Just before the World Cup, it's three million. Mm. And the city's expanded so much. So we lose so many sites. So the way we had the thousandth run, we lost it. We had this intermoon beach. We used to have the full moon hashes come over in the mangroves for a weekend a year. We lost that site, we found another site, we lost that one. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's, it gets difficult to run outside the, the city. The, the Qatar has lots of nice beaches, mm-hmm. beaches that you can drive your car onto, right up to the water, get your barbecue and your shade out and your beverage of choice. But the, they have the camping season, so it's their tradition that they'll pay for a plot and they'll put their camp up. And there has to be a tarpaulin, sand-coloured tarpaulin all around, which at times makes it look a bit more like a 
Gazan refugee camp <laughs> type of thing. It's not pleasing to the eye. Mm. So you do lose a lot of the beaches over the winter. So that's one of the things when we go back that the beaches are open. Again, no campers, so we have our own little spot. Nice, oh, nice little coat. Might not be the best beach in the world, but when it's our beach, because basically we know where it is and not a lot of other people do. We do some runs from there. It's, it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of new teachers coming in. Construction work is dying, so there's a lot of people leaving Qatar now. Okay. Some of the people like a Nigerian who's here, he's mm -hmm. in Doha. Yeah. Now, you've got to think, there's a teacher's job in Qatar coming up for two years. And, oh look, there's the World Cup in the middle. So he took advantage, he did about 20, 21 games. Mm -hmm. The best thing was teachers got that time off. There was no, all the schools were shut. For them, it was brilliant. He's off to Thailand next. What would you say to someone that is just started hashing? What what advice would you give them? Keep, Apart from don't get arrested. Keep doing it. <laughs> keep doing it. Everybody's different. When you're younger, people have families. You can't go, as it were, travel hashing as much. That's understandable. But keep doing it because you'll meet so many different, weird, and wonderful people. So what would you tell your younger self, your younger hashing self? What would, would you give them any advice? Would you say anything if yeah. you could go back? Avoid dogs in Tbilisi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, the thing, thing for me, hashing was probably what kept me sane. I was working on a camp or building a road, living on a camp, socializing with the same people day in, day out. So this was a breath of fresh air. It wasn't just the going to meet other like-minded people and doing the exercise. They're organising all these weekends away. The Dar es Salaam, they're very active. They've got the Mbuji hash on one of the islands. They go to Zanzibar for a weekend. They go into Maragoro area in the Ulguru Mountains. Sounds amazing. They've got the Bagamoya Rilo. So they've all got four or five weekends planned every year. They're very active in that respect. So yeah, keep doing it. Anything else you would like to add? Yes. You're out of beer. <laughs> nearly, no, no, nearly, nearly, nearly. No, no, no. I know, it's, the hashing your world is, is fantastic. It's a great way to travel and meet the people. There's a few countries that you wouldn't necessarily go hashing in. They're probably war zones, and apart from that, the world is your oyster. Yeah. It's like coming here to Malawi. Would you have ever thought of coming to Malawi? No. Probably not, but there's a hash here, and then you turn up and find it's fantastic. All the people are so friendly. They can't do enough for you. It's lovely green, the weather's fantastic. The lake might have bilharzia, allegedly, but we've got the tablets. So no, and the next Pan-Africa, I don't know, could be Mali. I'm hearing there might be a late bid from Ghana. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see, I've hashed in Accra before. It's very good. I was good. at the last Pan-Africa that was in yeah. Ghana. Yeah. I had an interview 
surprising how interviews always turn up to be around the time there's a hash. <laughs> so yeah, I was working in Cameroon and had to fly over for an interview and I did it so that I had to stay over the weekend and had the interview. But then they wanted me to be five, six hours away from hashing territory. So then I thought, I'll, ha I'll go to Bahrain instead. I don't offer from there. So yes, I've turned down jobs due to hashing. To right? Yeah, yeah. I also did that while I was in Cameroon. I went to Equatorial Guinea, Malabo, and had an interview for a job there. Surprisingly, it was hashing as well. Equatorial Guinea, Malabo, what a brilliant place. And it's one of these places, it's a bit of a police state. Mm -hmm. So everybody's grouped together in the cars, one car goes ahead, phone calls with radio, police checks are, people are going off road to avoid it, to get to the place. And then you're running in absolutely fantastic territory. It's a cacao plantation, so you've got the You've got the trees above, you've got the cacao underneath, this plantation falling into disrepair. There's a couple of families that do the farming there, but it's just falling into rack and ruin. And then you'll end up on this, you've got this black sand beach with the old plantation house right next to it, and it's just falling into disrepair. This is a million dollars house if you do it up. It's stunning. That was a bizarre experience. And then also, because I was all over Cameroon, the first road I was doing was in the north. So I had a seven hour road trip to the border with Chad to find out that the border closed half an hour earlier. So I had to stay in Kusari overnight and get over the border into Chad to stay with the Lagos Beer Hound. His wife was working for one of the major embassies and at the time they had the Darfur crisis so she'd just been ferrying Christine Allen Paul over all around the area. So the hash in Mjimena, uh, which was roasting hot but with a few cocktail stops. Then we invited the hashers down to northern Cameroon in Garoua. Unfortunately, it didn't quite go as planned because there was an attempted coup. So the 15 or so hashes that were going to come down ended up being only four. And they could get out because they had diplomatic plates. So we ended up with these four hashes. We did the hash round Garua. And Garua in northern Cameroon is on the River Benway. And there are these hippos in the river. Europe and Africa, there was the father, but the father killed a couple of fishermen, so the fishermen went out and killed it. So it's the mother and the daughter. These two guys have for years been calling these hippos and feeding them the maize meal. So you go, give these guys some money, they'll go and get a bag of maize, and they will start calling the hippos. And if the hippos are hungry, they will come out of the water. You can then, if they're quiet, they'll say, okay, go start feeding them. So they're opening their mouths wide and you're slapping all this flour on the tongue. 
and then they'll lift the tongue up and you're slapping your hand up and down on the tongue. And then if they're happy and quiet, you jump on the back of the hippo. I did it a few times. We had these hashers come down and we had one of the guys, he was one of the biggest guys as well, American guy, sat on the back of this hippo for a few minutes, but that's the mother. Unfortunately, there was a cyclist went past between the mother and the water. Mm -hmm. So then she started toddling off and he's like, well, what do I do now? So yeah, he had to jump off, otherwise the other guys would have been on it. And the thing with hippos, you don't realize that they have this natural sunscreen that they secrete. And they sleep, they're slippery. So it's all slimy and it's like a light red color. So it's almost like blood. You've got all this bloody slime on the inside of your thighs. So yeah. Oh my God. That's another bizarre thing for hashing. And then we disappeared to Lac Lagdo, Northern Cameroon for the, for the rest of the couple of days. A lake, big lake, not quite as big as Lake Malawi, no waves. Oh wow. And who else can say they've hashed and ridden a hippo? Uh, not many people. <laughs> yeah, not many people. Oh my goodness. And it, this should be on the Lonely Planet guide on the front covers. It's what you find. Oh, oh that's amazing. Thank you so much for speaking to me. This is the On On podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. On On. On On. To close the circle, Here's the Hash Anthem, sung by Mother Hash. Swing low.